your first 500 viewers yeah yeah if you can secure let's forget 500 if you can secure 100 strangers yeah. who peruse your work yeah. 100 stang- strangers who consume your art yeah. that means you have a solid foundation to build on that was ruman arkalam he is the acting in charge of new media at the daily star the largest circulating english daily newspaper in bangladesh he is also the co-founder of bangladesh's first humor website rantages rantages started off by making original humor pieces for the internet and today they've transitioned into a meme empire It was my pleasure to sit down with Ruman and speak about stuff that we were both very very passionate about. We spoke about the current state of the internet culture, the ethical side of stealing memes, and how you can use your memes to start earning some money. Now, if you've been getting any value out of this podcast, there are a few ways through which you can support the show. Number 1, if you're on Apple Podcasts, it would mean the world to me if you can leave a review or a rating there. If you think someone else would find this conversations valuable, simply share the links with them, be it a friend or a family member. And if you're on social media, a simple share can go a long, long way, given your followers and connections are into this kind of stuff. And finally, if you want to be updated about the upcoming episodes and follow my work, then simply visit www.tausifakkas.com and sign up for my newsletter. I'll be sending a weekly short, quick email where I'll be curating some of the best creative content that I come across online. I consume a ton of content and I find that the best way to create a community is to start sharing some of the stuff with like-minded people like yourself. Now as always I've taken a very long time with the intro. So here is episode 3 of the State of the Creators podcast with Tausif Akkas featuring Ruman Arkalam. Hope you enjoyed the show. This is the State of the Creators, a show about creative individuals who are on a quest to build something out of nothing. This is pretty ASMR-ish, isn't it? <laughs> it is. <laughs> Just say Rantages. Oh, man. Oh, yeah, someone on a creepy like it. It is fucking creepy, man. So have you seen some of that stuff um, on... the creepy like um yeah there is this um, like child or something doing asmr and i'm like what the fuck all these 40 year old men just is their target demographic um there is also this up. girl who folds clothes and yeah that's asmr <laughs> some people do genuinely find it um very relaxing but yeah i don't know i mean a lot of people find norwegian death metal relaxing as well so fair enough Whatever no need to judge. um before anything else actually talk to me about the vaping culture in bangladesh in bangladesh it's obnoxious um like every single vape shop i've ever been to has been a terrible experience for me How because so? um usually what i do is i study the products um, you know do a bit of online research yeah. and i know what i want yeah. and then i go to the shop and i'm like i want this and they're like no you don't need that like why don't i need that you can't use that like why can't i use that and then the next 15 minutes will be a lecture about like what the product yeah and end of the day it just feels more like they're helping their distributors rather than helping the customer that's that's not pretty much like the entire um experience that i have with any bangladesh outlet that's well well more or less yeah that's true but um there are very few uh, outlets that are not like that the yeah. special ones that are very old like the camera repairman at new market like yeah. every single photographer goes to him right but it's a part of Little i think exception. transition from yeah. bangladesh into the service industry now that makes sense um so for the people unfamiliar with your work um who is ruman arkalam um i'm known mostly among like the, the internet crew as the founder of rantages yep. the goat lord and i'm also the editor in charge of shout Fantastic. which is the weekly youth magazine of um the daily star i've mm-hmm. been the editor for the last year or so and I've been working there for almost 7 years and apart from that I work as a communications and content consultant nice and in the past I have done web programming I have uh, recently I produced a film um in t- 2017 litfest uh, my book came out disconnect collected short fiction which I edited yep. with two other friends yep and Yeah, basically I just try to do a little bit of everything. Right. So, and I guess an, a writer, 
um, a media uh, I, personality, <laughs> music maker. I have gone that far yet, <laughs> but um, in the reason that I had to do so many things yeah. is not because I want it yeah. to be, you know, at least not want in a sense where, you know, like every day I write and it's yeah. the thing that I genuinely want to do. But when it's something like, let's say, graphic design, I had to learn yeah. graphic design as well yes. since I worked in both digital and print publication. Yeah. And all of those things I had to learn because I could not depend on anyone. Right. Even in a professional setting, let, let's say randages was something that's very informal and voluntary. Yeah. So there is a, I have to manage my expectations at some point. Yeah. But after working in places where people were actually salaried employees and, you know, those who have contractual responsibilities. Yeah. These people have failed me more times than actual like people who volunteered. Right. Right. And that's simply because there's this huge lack of A, communication, yeah. B, knowledge. Yeah. Um, one big problem is that whenever someone acquires even a little bit of knowledge, they think they're better than everyone. They know yeah. better than everyone. Yeah. And unfortunately, I myself have <laughs> done that. But end of the day... There's um, the old Roman. Um, there's, I mean, every day there's an old room. <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic. I love that quote. Yeah, go on. Yeah, I mean, I'm not the sort of person, you know, who's going to hold on to opinions because, you know, I voiced a certain opinion at one point. Yeah. Let's say um, even four or five years back when I was a teenager, I was very critical of feminism. Right. And that, it, it was very obvious from the work I was producing. Right. Due to the, there were a lot of sexist jokes and mm. I would basically pass them off as, oh, get a thicker skin and, you know, just deal with it. Yeah. So, stuff like that. But yeah. later on, after, you know, I read some feminist literature and I had a lot of uh, help from my girlfriend who actually um, taught me feminism in a way. Right. And from that, um, what I understood is that when you're communicating something to a person and let's say it's a joke, right? Yeah. Why is it that... For your joke to be funny, mm -hmm. it has to target a marginalized group. Right. Right. That's, you can do comedy without targeting marginalized groups. As right. we can see recently with Hassan Minhaj, yeah. uh, Trevor Noah. Yeah. They're great comedians. Yeah. And we're recently also seeing... Listening. <laughs> yeah. Um, a lot of um, what we'd uh, consider AAA great comedians, like let's say uh, Dave Chappelle. Yeah. Yeah. Dave Chappelle got 40 million for his Netflix specials. Yeah. Yeah. And the last one was absolute garbage mm. because you could clearly see he wanted to do something, but it felt like he just wrote it last night. Right. And that thing, those sort of um, comedic routines don't really fly anymore. Mm. Right. So to be fair, though, um, I mean, to Dave, yeah. um, I saw... I think Rotten Tom Tomatoes is probably not the greatest indicator mm -hmm. anymore, but the critics gave it a really low score. Yeah. Um, but the audience loved it. It's like ninety nine percent on on the mm -hmm. on the thing. So I guess it's 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 quite an interesting kind of spectrum we are at right now, where uh, I think anything kind of flies these days if you it, it, if you just put it out there and you have some sort of brand and. It'll reach to I mean, a certain audience who enjoys that certain content. The thing is, um, you know the ten percent rule, right? Like, mm. if at least if you're reaching a hundred people, at least ten people will yeah. resonate with what the, right. whatever message you're sending out. Right. And with the internet, that's very easy now. Yeah. Right. You can like reach a million people quite easily. Yeah. And the thing is, at the end of the day, we have people who believe in flat Earth. We have people who believe um, aliens control us Correct. and stuff like that. Right. So that's not really a metric. Popularity mm -hmm. should not be a metric of how good um, a piece of media is. Right. And that's why we need critics. Right. Like, why do we need critics? Because yeah. any piece of media should be um, dissected yeah. and it should be criticized. Absolutely. Right. And Agreed. that's one thing that Bangladesh does not have at all whatsoever. Mm -hmm. Because um, let me just give you an example. Um, sometime in 2014... Yeah. There was this album out by this um, band who did the album for a movie, but the movie did not come out. So they right. just released the album as right. it is. And we did a review of it and, was, yeah. and we gave it a 7 out of 10. Right. And the band was fine with it. They were like, yeah. well, 7 out of 10. Uh, we expected you know, a lesser score. Yeah. But the fans got angry. Yeah. They were like, 7 out of 10? Why? It's a 10 out of 10 album, blah, yeah. blah, blah, all of yeah. that jazz. 
and two three years come and it's been what four years and people yeah. aren't listening to that album right so if we did give that 10 out of 10 back yeah. then yeah what would it look like now even that seven out of 10 seems a bit uh, high yeah yeah so until we have a culture where you know criticisms are listened to rather than yeah. rejected without yes. even considering what the other person is yeah. saying that's yeah. that's an issue and the final issue that i have are with the people who provide the criticism themselves yeah you the thing is they basically try to school the piece of content yeah. or put it in its place mm-hmm. and that's that's a very zero sum game i would say because right. that's not how discussions go forward because when you criticize something and you put it down straight away in very aggressive language and intonation yeah what it does it when someone reads it they will obviously react defensively and that's anyone in the world yeah So I think a lot of effort has to be put in where criticism has to be palatable yeah. for the person reading it. So it's again a systematic thing that's going around. Right. I think um so I guess going back to your creative um or I guess um your passion for creating stuff. Yeah. Um tell me about that journey. So was there any specific point in your life where you thought, you know, this is exactly what I want to do or did you had like this you know, uh, built up angst which kind of turned into rantages and that kind of built in into these things um it's quite fascinating to see with your involvement in all these different mediums mm-hmm. um what i want to kind of touch base on is is that do you have any one singular moment of inspiration or was it more like you always knew this is what i wanted to do i think the singular moment of um inspiration came to me in 2013 when i left my band eclectic where mm-hmm. i played bass and that band was a very intense journey for me right. because um i was not a very good musician i just started learning the bass and uh, my friend imran was like oh you can play with us just start playing yeah and i did and the thing is imran is i'm talking about imran ahmed the yep. jazz musician yep. he's he has always been supremely talented like right. he's one of i think he's one of two people i actually look up to mm-hmm. in bangladesh in terms of like Uh, what they're doing and how they approach their work. He's fantastic. He's he's, uh, he's, he's, he's touring right now, yeah, isn't he? Yeah, he toured Germany and it's amazing. Yeah. And <clears throat> I could not keep up with him those yeah. two years and that had a very bad effect on me and uh, afterwards I felt creatively exhausted. Mm-hmm. Um I to this day I can't play music because right. I I have a lot of negative um emotions attached, emotions to, attached to music. Yeah. And um after quitting the band it was not just quitting the brand, band it was quitting an entire friend circle right. that i had with musicians and etc yeah after that um i was pretty much alone one day and i was like i didn't have money to buy cigarettes right yeah. and yeah. i somehow i think got a 10 20 bucks and got a few star lights and i was thinking i was thinking that i don't even have enough money to buy cigarettes mm. like what am i doing yeah so the first thing i decided was like, okay first things first if i need to work i need cigarettes and i can't ask for cigarette money from my mom yeah so how do i buy cigarettes and that's when my friend barish knocked me and was like yo do you want to write for rising stars they're yeah. taking writers yeah i was like oh, might as well it'll pay for my cigarette money right and i applied to rising stars and from that moment i realized after going to the first rs meeting that what i had at rantages yeah. from 2008 9 is something massive it's not just um It's not just a website or a platform. It's yeah. it's sort of it has it has or had a cultural impact at yeah. one point. Yeah. So I decided let's just start what I am good at. The only thing I know for f- for sure that I'm good at. Yeah. And that's when I that's when my entire mindset changed from um expecting things to show up or expecting things to work out in a certain way because you know we are taught from the from the from ever since we go into school that if we follow this route at the yeah. end of this whatever it is after uh, 15 years you mm-hmm. get a job yeah. you do this blah 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 and right at that age i realized that's not going to work out for me because it's not working out for a lot of different people yeah and i just started ranges with like three kids and that was the moment i realized you know bangladesh does not have the labor to actually do something like this mm-hmm. so what can i do so i decided right. to train the labor right and over the past 6 years or so i've um worked with uh, some amazing young professionals who are yeah. um 17 18 years old 
and they have gone on to do pretty good things like um some of them are working with me at the daily star yep. some have joined gram infone a lot of good companies so overall i what all of th- what that journey taught me was how to lead a team yep and not only that how to nurture the creativity and the talent of other people as well right and what that allowed me allows me is i have a much bigger freedom in the marketplace in terms of doing big projects mm-hmm. let's say um, i did this project for a2i udhavakar yep. khoje yep. yep. it was um, a reality show sort of like shark tank yep. where people pitch ideas to the government yep. and the entire story script the format everything was done by my team and this is the same team that i inherited from rantages awesome so there's a lot of flexibility in terms of doing creative projects for me which as you can see disconnect the band um rantages yeah. shout the film so that epiphany actually led towards me becoming the creative professional i am today right right um so i, I guess we could all trace it back to that <laughs> that starlight yeah before yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> at that time um with with rantages though it's interesting you say that before you got into rising stars you, yeah. you had built this yeah. this brand yeah. essentially for um up up Uh, let's just say a, a comedy platform of its yeah, own back then um which had a, a fair bit of impact and then you got into rising stars yeah up until that point you didn't really think of it as something bigger than itself but then once you got into rising stars that's when you yeah. felt that this is a much more than i thought it was yeah, yeah, yeah. and then you used ra- your experience at rising stars to go back into rantages um simultaneously and yeah. building it up like, and uh, then using rantages as well to build up your yeah. like one thing i say regarding my like this is a descriptor sort of like yeah. i'm made by rantages but tempered by shout right because in print media because rantages was a very um it was quite bold for its time yeah and you know we were very crass and what not yeah but what working in print media taught me was um that my bo- my boss uh, karim mohit says yeah print is like firing a gun Yeah. Once the bullet is out you can't take it back in. Absolutely. And that teaches you a completely different level of responsibility that you won't ever get in digital media. Yeah. Because digital media on speaking is a constant work in progress. Right. But when it's print everything has to be like people don't even allow typos. Yeah. Like you're not allowed yeah, to make exa- a typo. Exactly. Exactly. Print. And these were the things that actually taught me how to be responsible with content, how to right. actually communicate in a manner that's yeah. not so aggressive yeah so that has been yeah that has been the effect of rs that's fantastic because i was speaking to um ahmed fahad who's mm-hmm. the vice president of, of um, growth at patao he yeah. was um he said something along the lines of that obstacles breed creativity because in a way you're giving constraints mm. with your print media mm. and because you can't do or change or click mm-hmm. edit and then change mm-hmm. that caption you're forced to think rethink and be creative about it. Yeah. Um I th- I find that fascinating that you learn it through traditional forms which we are I so easy to kind of disagree with the obstacle okay. thing um uh, because it's it's a narrative that's aggressively pushed by corporate circles. Yeah. And that's because um usually what happens is you're given an impossible deadline or an impossible project. Right. And when you mention that it's impossible, yeah. your um line manager will say take it up as a challenge. Yeah. and this has sort of become the crutch for forcing people yeah. to work under very very harrowing circumstances i agree with what you say there um i guess the context was different yeah. to what was because, portrayed because um in that sense uh, recently i've been reading this book uh, talent code by daniel quell mm-hmm. and he mentions that how obstacles are used yeah. for certain professions like um there's this tennis um uh, what do we, what do you call it uh, they're not clubs like um schools I mean, or something uh, something like that they, yeah, they okay. train right. tennis players like, right sharpova right. came from there okay um so what they did was they would practice without a ball right so they would slowly like in at agonizing pace they yeah. would do each serve and each swing yeah. to perfect the movement mm-hmm. and this led to so many great russian yeah. um tennis players and the thing is obstacles can be good yeah. like limitations can be good yeah in a sense where um you know footballers don't practice in full pitches right, right. there that's a reason there's a I guess I that. guess when obstacles are 
created for the sole purpose of creativity mm-hmm. makes sense mm-hmm. but when obstacles are created to save money or to profit someone yeah. else that's i guess the corporate yeah. problem that you have yeah. that that i think completely makes sense mm-hmm. as well but it's it's interesting for me because you mentioned traditional media is something we uh, we tan- we we kind of tend to you know disregard mm-hmm. with especially in the digital circle mm-hmm. like oh who cares about this stuff mm-hmm. but it taught you more mm-hmm. than 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 what you would have the, otherwise the thing is for a creative professional um the discipline that uh a newspaper a media organization or an ad agency will yeah. instill upon you yeah. that is something you can carry for the rest of your life right because i worked in an ad agency for like five months right and it was a positive experience for me yeah. because uh, working under tanvir bhai of sun communication yeah. is is actually some a privilege yeah. Yeah. because he is the best advertising mind in the country right and the lessons in creative leadership i learned there and how to manage crunched uh, yeah. crunch periods and you know you have a very messed up deadline the next day and all of you are at work and everyone knows that they're going to spend the entire night at work yeah. Yeah. and during these times is when leadership plays a key role right. like showing up at 10 a, uh, 10 uh, 10 or 11 pm with takeaway yeah. and then feeding everyone before actually uh, caring yeah. for yeah, your actually employees actually caring yeah. for your employees and, and that's something know. i've noticed you have also kind of pursued with your team at rantage yeah. you see you go to meetups you mm-hmm. try to make sure that they get yeah breaks and stuff like that cuz the thing is um for one thing i really work hard behind is job placement for rantagers and i don't do it in a sense where i look for the jobs yeah. rather i prepare the person for the job so they can find the job themselves right and that has enabled me so much because mm-hmm. these people once they leave rantages it's actually not the end for rantages right. because they're moving on to do bigger things and they right. can involve rantages mm-hmm. in the process they can Absolutely. involve me in the process so it's an investment yeah it's an investment some people so, might think oh you know i'm spending 500 bucks on a burger for each person but i think what's, day, what's worse than 500 caring. bucks is all those hours at night i'm staying up talking to yeah. someone young who's really caring and you're yeah. actually caring for yeah. their their growth yeah because uh, i don't think leadership is something that you can sort of like you have a checklist and then right. check the box it's not something right. like that it's very unique to the individual it's, it's very and, unique and your team yeah, yeah. as well it's very unique to the individual and it's a lifestyle honestly yeah. speaking yeah. so you have to understand when to actually sacrifice for your team and right. when to not that's yeah. also an important part i think um that's in your uh, facebook bio as well <laughs> leadership is a lifestyle <laughs> <laughs> oh no it's not. <laughs> um I want to talk to you about um longevity mm. through adaptation, right? Mm. That's something really attracts me about Rantages mm. is because the the not only the growth mm. it is seen and the early cultural impact because I guess right now it's a bit too saturated yeah. to say have one impact. But I remember the earlier days when mm. that was pretty much one of its kind. Mm-hmm. Um but what interests me most is how you've it was a website first mm. it then became like you know um a facebook meme page and mm-hmm. then slowly it's a group community yeah, it's right now it's podcasts yeah, yeah, yeah. you have podcasts as well in the middle yeah with yeah, fahad zaman yeah. as well i remember that you went to radio show yeah. to do yeah, that as really, well yeah. i remember that phase um and then eventually now you're basically a community yeah um i want to talk to you more about this adaptation phases because at the end of the day you could have been very smug and said you know what we are a website mm-hmm. we want to be a website that's mm-hmm. exactly nothing doesn't matter mm-hmm. but you have chosen these little mm-hmm. adaptations based on the trends yeah. i, I want to know more about your thought process in in going um, through those phases well firstly it was easier to do it was not um, i mean the adaptations were not difficult at all for me i would say and that's because from the get go i had a very clear identity of rantages mm-hmm. and one that would be it would be community based and yeah. it would always be for the people right. like what do the people want like If you um, look at our old about us and everything it's right. always about serving humor to the people. Yeah. And why is it that we took that route? Because um as a comedian in Bangladesh I absolutely hate most of the comedy produced here because it's um it's it's just it's forced laughter yeah. at this point. So I want to make something of my own that's new and regarding formats, right? We yeah. have memes, you have articles, you have even videos. Yeah. My idea was always how to get the most amount of 
audience but quality audience right right because i could have gone the modulus route and yeah. you know spammed people with relatable memes yeah. we did not do that mm -hmm. right and the thing is i don't know i mean recently it has stopped i guess but up yeah. until 2017 if you saw our rantages meme you would know it's yeah. a rantages yeah. meme yeah. and that's a huge part about our culture because yeah. The idea of Randages is that we will have a certain identity, we will yeah. have a certain brand yeah. that we will carry to different formats. Mm -hmm. And that is one of the main reasons we never went into video is because we we did go into video, but it was not a good experience because we could not take that framing and that um, brand image to videos. Yeah. Because if we did, it would become intensely expensive. Because our original idea was something like The Daily Show or yeah. SNL. Right. But those are very expensive. To produce, those, yeah. yeah. Those need skilled labor. Because yeah. even if I did have the money, I yeah. don't think I'll have the talent right. to do that. So overall, I think the adaptation came due to market forces. Yep. Right. Because people stopped reading articles. Right. So if we kept aggressively pushing yeah. articles, that would not make sense. So knowing your audience, basically. Yeah. Yeah. So I think for you, the key was that you knew who you wanted to target yeah. from the get-go. Yeah. And the thing is, I always maintained a very close um, relation, not relation, a very close tie with um, the first 100 fans. Mm. And what the first 100 fans of Randages say matter a lot to me. Because right. these people became the fan not because of the fact that they know me mm -hmm. or because, you know, um, they have certain obligations. Yeah. No, these are people who have been following us since 2008. Right. And most of them provide such good constructive criticism. Yeah. Like, you know, back then you used to do things this way. How come you're not doing it this way now? Yeah. And these conversations always sort of, they work sort of like a reference point for me. Right. Like, wait, I was like this before. Yeah. Wait, th this is what my audience wants. So that also played in with our adaptations over the years. And another huge factor was manpower. Right. Because around 2014, writers started drying up because that's the same time when um, companies started hiring content writers for yep. their websites and stuff. Yep. So writers ended up with a lot of work. Right. Low pay work, but still it's work. So that made us lose a lot of um, what, uh, writers. Right. And before that, we had Fahad as a videographer. Mm -hmm. um, back then, video wasn't booming just yet. It no. started after yeah. 2014. Yeah. Yeah. So we had Fahad back then. So after losing Fahad, after losing my writers, I had to rethink because I could not recruit writers any longer because I could not honestly provide them the incentive. Yep. Right? So after that, I realized I have like probably the best bunch of meme makers in the country with Asif Zaman, Ishak yep. Masrut Asif. Yeah. And I decided let's double down on memes and let's see how it goes. Yep. And that just blew everything up. Yeah. Right. And our growth um, was so crazy that at one point a lot of us were like are we going too fast i don't like the new audience we're getting mm -hmm. so manpower was a huge factor behind me adapting to the market as well yeah so yeah yeah i want to talk to you about stealing online content right yeah um so this is a very uh, interesting kind of landscape mm -hmm. that we're in right now where I guess defining stealing in itself and also what kind of content mm -hmm. we're talking about is very dynamic. Mm -hmm. But I remember a few months back or maybe last year. Yes, I think it's been a couple of years. Yeah, when you, um, part of the community that you have, Randy, mm -hmm. just go posting, there was a thing about that where you're comp you're still completely against mm -hmm. it. Like if the, if it's someone else's content, you're going mm -hmm. to no, no, just no, zero, no. zero tolerance, yeah. right? Which is awesome. Um, what I want to explore more is your understanding or your perspective of what's, what does it entail in terms of um, stealing content? Because um, I'll give you a bit of context uh, in, in my, from my perspective. Um, I would see some, I guess, videos. Mm -hmm. um, it could be like a short, like 10 second clip mm -hmm. or something like that. And it could pretty much have like... Um, you know things from someone completely different like maybe maybe it came filtered through five or six mm -hmm. different people mm -hmm. and the original content creator has basically no idea of of, mm -hmm. of, of where it has landed um and the person who's posted it mm -hmm. has no idea where no. it's from and we see it pretty much every day mm -hmm. i guess the easiest format to be able to do that is obviously a meme which is why lots of people would have their mm -hmm. um signatures or the mm -hmm. watermarks on them um and I guess we try to, well, a few people have seen villainize the people who would just take it and post it. Mm -hmm. Some people want credit. Some mm -hmm. people 
don't it's 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 a bit of a messy situation yeah. because we want to pay credits or we want to acknowledge the people who's made these contents mm-hmm. but at the same time there isn't really a systematic process mm-hmm. of of allowing that mm-hmm. i want to know your perspective first of all and if what we can do to i guess ensure the that we acknowledge the creators uh, if at all um that's actually a platform specific problem yeah it's not what we can do but rather what mark zuckerberg wants to do mm. and the thing is there's absolutely no conversation around the creative output or the creative product of meme makers right whereas um you have meme makers creating content for brands now right. if you look at um, global examples like arby's Burger King, yeah. right? Um, they definitely have teenagers behind the keyboard there. Yeah. So there is obviously a monetary value yeah. on memes that brands have identified, and that's one thing. Let's let's set that yeah. aside. So we already know there is an inherent value as a means of communication mm-hmm. or brand communication for memes, yeah. right? And what this does is um, currently, due to the lack of any sort of care from the platform owners what's happened is memes are basically dumped onto the internet yeah. and whoever wants to they can just go through the dump and pick whatever they like and post it on their page yeah. which is something that uh, a lot of big instagram pages do correct and the thing is if we are to start this crusade against stolen content yeah. regarding memes it honestly will go nowhere exactly because it's again it's something that's not trackable yeah um because um, i remember talking to this big tech company in Bangladesh yeah, who yeah. wanted to feature our memes on their platform. Yep. And I asked them like what will happen if let's say the original memes that we give you guys yep. like someone yep. just screenshots them and posts them on their page. Yep. And their response was you know as a big company we can take legal action blah 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 all of that. Yep. Like well, that's great but what about let's say um, a non-resident Bangladeshi in the UK. Yeah. Right what if he steals the meme and starts posting it for Bangladeshi audiences Correct. what do you do then? and they had no answer to that. Yeah. That was one thing and another thing was um was that answer that sorry because you're of there was that did that answer actually uh, open your eyes to the situation? Yeah, yeah. In a sense when we're talking about data data inherently wants to be free. Yeah. Right. So memes in that sense currently the way they're treated because they're not treated as a separate piece of media on yep. the internet. Yeah. Videos are vines are yep. like what TikTok is doing they are but Correct. memes are not. Um the last platform to actually consider memes as a media is probably meme center right they're still going yeah and this brings us to the question whether or not we can ever have like memes trackable memes right. we definitely can because um you have machine learning now yep right so you can set that up to find like scour the internet for wherever your memes are going like that's something that's already being uh, used by stock image websites right, right. exactly you yep. can implement that yep. um you don't need to think about like blockchaining memes or stuff yeah. like that yeah so that again is a platform specific thing that yep. that's something we can't ever push and that brings us to the question like what can we do to turn this to our advantage like memes being stolen right I realize that Bangladesh lacks especially in these um areas Bangladesh lacks creativity a lot. Yeah. So what ended up happening is we started supplying memes to all the meme pages. Right. Like at um sometime last year I took off the um rule we had that you know whenever a content gets stolen like yeah. we are going to go brigade and then yeah. Yeah. Take, ask them to take it down. Right. And we decided it's actually better if our memes go around. Right. Exactly. And what we started doing is we started putting in like hidden things inside yeah, the memes, yeah, right? Yeah. Uh, like our three, uh, 2.4 CGPA meme. The yeah. Rantages goat head was visible even on 9 gag, yeah, Reddit, yeah, everywhere. Yeah, correct. Right. So what this enables us is we can now track our exactly. memes, the flow yeah. of our memes, yeah. and we can take this data to yeah. let's say brands and say, yeah. look, this is how we can set up a meme campaign for yeah. you, yeah. and this is how it will propagate. And right. the very same people who are stealing our memes are actually paying our money now. Yeah. because by sharing our memes they're actually increasing the engagement of our work correct and then you bring it to the table and say this is actually the real engagement yeah. because the quality yeah. of the meme yeah. uh, you know mm-hmm. is is so so high mm-hmm. that it's going to travel yeah and more importantly we know what will travel yeah so we can sort of curate the yeah, yeah that way and <clears throat> at the end of the day what this does is everybody wins like the person yep. who's stealing the memes they get their few likes the, yep. uh, we get our propagation so overall 
rather than yelling don't steal our memes we you know went for let's make our memes have a cultural impact right. and right now our templates still to this day rantage is got posted everyone waits for rgp mm. templates yeah. and whenever we bring out a template meme template every single meme page in the country goes after that template yeah. so in essence they're actually giving us more control by stealing our content right so that's how we're democratizing our content and at the same time getting value out of it right um i think that's very smart because you are not only using something that's being again using well that's being held against you mm-hmm. you're you're actually creating value out of mm-hmm. it for multiple mm-hmm. groups of people mm-hmm. i think that's that's really smart but going forward though you mentioned something about um like as quality work mm-hmm. with with means how do you define quality in your line of work it doesn't have to be specifically in rantages you can also uh, go ahead and talk about shout mm-hmm. um but mostly from an online point online content point of view what would be a quality piece of work from a meme when we're discussing the issue of quality um the idea of quality itself is sort of vague in bangladesh yep. because we have this entire generation of artists who are not trying to send a message or not trying to tell a story but yep. trying to get people to click right so when you have an entire generation of artists trying to make people click mm-hmm. their link or whatever it is um it runs the risk of just rehashing stuff which we are clearly seeing with our youtube community um that's just the same old this in bangladesh that in bangladesh what if this happened in bangladesh mm. and the problem with that is um people consider any foreign piece of media as good work quality work right and the entire effort is spent behind emulating that right. like even if you see the recent uh, music videos that got a lot of attention yeah most of them portray dhaka as a very either super exoticizes it yeah like on mane it's turns into a caricature at one point of right. what dhaka actually is right and then you have the other people who are like oh this you know look at gulshan this is yeah. this is dhaka yeah. right and that in effect what's doing is these artists are actually very detached from the reality of bangladesh yeah. because the thing is um musicians will yell a lot that you know people pirate their music people don't have interest in music people yeah. don't come to their shows but my question is have people stopped listening to music they haven't stopped listening no, to they music right now they're no. either listening to like english rock or yeah. bollywood right mm-hmm. everyone has their own niche mm-hmm. and end of the day what in terms of bangla music what are we still listening to mm-hmm. artsel miles yeah. like everything is at least 10 years old right and i think the whole idea of that bangladeshi artist coming from bangladeshi subculture sort of died with the abc generation right right and after that we have this um i'm still in the music industry yeah we have this because again um the reason i cite the music industry is because yeah. it's the creative industry that has the least amount of resources allocated to it right like even writers are doing better than musicians in this country mm-hmm. um so what happens is that people can't really relate to the music they're listening to mm-hmm. people can't really relate to any of the content why because let's say we want um, i mean if you listen to uh, warface's jibon dhara album yeah it was uh, i think released right around the fall of irshad mm-hmm. right and it's charged with political commentary right right and it's it's such political commentary that it's even relevant to this day right right it talks about our it talks about the middle class being crunched in between two classes yeah. it talks about how we are always under the foot of powers that be yeah these are stories that come out of like bangla culture like you talk about black the way they mixed grunge and mm-hmm. robindra songit with yeah. asan and john bhai yeah. that that is something you don't see anymore nowadays yeah. right and even if you do it's fusion like yeah. and what is fusion you get a guy who can play the tabla you get a guy is, who can play the sitar do you need to like is, is that essential to be able to create something because at the end of the day art in itself is expressing who you are so someone who's in gulshan and he mm-hmm. or he, she has seen that life mm-hmm. all their life mm-hmm. it would be actually pretentious for that person to go out and live and talk stories about the middle class lives so in essence doesn't have to be about music or anything really like if if you um if you consider a lot of the work that comes out from our privileged classes mm-hmm. it's either um family stories that are similar to monikali's brick lane and stuff like that yeah. uh, essentially books written by housewives who need to get published that's one yeah. and um the thing being art being the artists right mm-hmm. all of that but that would work if we did not operate in a capitalist framework right 
because at the end of the day um, whatever art you produce has to be sustainable mm-hmm. or else you know you can't really commit to your art fully in bangladesh right every every artist has a side gig yeah right every artist yeah. has a side yeah, gig absolutely. like even full time artists like the ones that are very well known yeah. have day jobs at corporate absolutely. offices yeah. and i think that has an effect because when you're every day day in day out when you're sitting in these corporate meetings where the media is crafted to sell certain things yeah Wh- when does it stop becoming an art and start becoming an ad that's yeah. the question i need to ask because you go watch a film in bangladesh yeah. um, you're going to see a biscuit ad at the yeah. do- bottom left right um there you'll have banners coming in you'll have very like there's this uh, there was this cooking show by a very prominent uh, beverage company yeah and every other shot had the beverage in it right. every other shot and yeah. it was and the um, intro the first 3 seconds of the intro had four different instances of the logo right right so all of these arti- uh, artists the ones that are at, at established to a certain degree yeah. they are working in this framework where everything at the end of the day has to appeal to the advertisers or mm-hmm. the people who are spon- uh, sponsoring this yeah. thing and that leads to a lot of good work being neutered Yep. Right. Cuz um let's say uh, the stuff Fuidul Alam produces. Mm-hmm. Right? It's hard-hitting political commentary. Yeah. Right. But will anyone sponsor that? Mm. Right. And these questions essentially sort of put the art that our artists are producing mm-hmm. in question. Because is again is imitation art? If you think about the global side of things, mm-hmm. um is it not very similar in that case? Is so I think that then the question becomes is bangladesh only uh, is anyone else really different in, in this regard anywhere else um yes in the uk although the past um tory governments messed it up they have bbc which is a publicly funded platform yep and that had some great shows on it right yep. we all have seen them. i mean david attenborough yep. right yep they have bbc um india has press freedom mm-hmm. india has massive amounts of platforms for different any sort of artist right mm-hmm. but if you come to bangladesh um everyone musicians artists everyone's sharing one platform mm-hmm. right and most of these platforms are corporate sponsored yeah. and the thing is i'm not putting blame on corporate media here at all whatsoever i'm not saying corporate media ruined bangladesh uh, the creative industry of bangladesh what i'm saying is at one point artists had to make a choice yeah. do i feed my family yeah. because art is the only thing i know yeah. i can't work at a bank yeah. so they had to go to these um corporates for funding right yeah. because there was not a system in place there were there were no funds there were yeah. no scholarships for artists yeah. so when you don't have that level of systemic support yeah. for your artists then of course this will happen right and we saw that i mean if you look at kpop right yeah. would you consider kpop art yeah absolutely right you consider yeah. kpop but yeah. at the same time um right, right kpop is a form of art but yeah. at the same time it's very very much curated by individuals to appeal to business right appeal Correct. to right yeah. the entire point Certain of kpop is not to send a message is not to tell a story yeah. but to sell merch yep right kpop is sort of like the fortnite of music yeah. i would say yeah where the entire thing is just a storefront yeah and globally speaking of the problem that we are having globally um we are definitely in a late capitalist stage yep. right where income inequality is at an insane levels that we've never seen before right and this has affected artists the most right a lot of artists over the past few years have lost their voice mm-hmm. and the internet i know people will say that internet gives you the option of you know cutting through the clutter and yep. making it big but that's the problem the clutter Yeah. Like as an audience it's very difficult to wade through the piles of trash to find something you like. And I know YouTube has its algorithm, mm-hmm. Facebook has its algorithm, but again, these algorithms are based on your past actions. So they will only show you stuff that you've already seen or yeah. you've known to like. Yeah, that that's a big problem yeah. in itself, but Uh, what i want to go mm. th- go at is would would it have been any different with the way we're where we have we have well it given what we had in the past would it have been any different now if we changed something in the past um, or remember 90s btv barely yeah but it was yeah. a, it had a massive cultural impact on oh, it oh yeah, uh, yeah. Right. yeah. Mag- i mean of course you had the captain planet right 
Jumanji. And, yeah. yeah, and let's say BTV carried that. Yeah, right. Let's say BTV um, catered towards the very generation they nurtured. Right, it would be very different. Yeah, rather than going to BTV and singing the same song yeah. for the next twenty years. Yeah. Maybe if they incorporated, let's say, if D Rockstars was a BTV thing, yeah, rather than a Dijus thing, yeah, right. Maybe we still would have had D Rockstars, right, right. But why did uh, GP stop D Rockstars? Because most probably it was not feasible for them, right. So when you have um, these money platforms that enable artists to showcase their talent without the pressure of appealing to the people who are paying you money, right, that would have a very different impact. On art itself. So, what would an artist do in this scenario? Obviously, it's um, given the current landscape mm-hmm. we have. Mm-hmm. If it's you're a creator, you want to mm-hmm. create art, mm-hmm. whether it's you know um, running your own meme page mm-hmm. or creating music, uh, what would be the best course of action? In in I guess uh, like in general, like if if you want to pursue any creative profession full time, and this includes engineers as well, yeah. because that's a creative profession i would say you have to first ask yourself can i sustain this for the next 10 years yeah. and what will stop me from um doing this work yeah. uh, one thing that many journalists say is after they join a newspaper or a media agency they stop writing like yeah. they can't focus on their creative work anymore and the thing is working in bangladesh the biggest piece of advice that i would give to creative prof- young creative professionals is that do not try to showcase your creativity in professional work mm-hmm. just check the boxes make sure the objectives are there make sure the message that you're sending um regarding whatever you're selling or buying m- these mostly involve promotional work for brands don't try to get emotionally attached to your creative work that mm-hmm. you produce for other people because that is the surefire way towards hating your own work right keep a separate time allocation for your own stuff let's say for me every tuesday night i sit down to write a page right. doesn't matter what i write i just write a page mm-hmm. as long as you know i can keep that separate keep my own personal creative efforts separate from my professional creative efforts right. that's when i know i can have peace with my work right. or else every or else i'll just bring my work home or take my home to work yeah. neither of which will actually work out yeah So uh, I I guess when you say your professional line of work what would be the example in in, the, in this case would be just uh, working for uh, Shout for Shout I don't think it's really about producing work for me any longer right. it's more like Managing, guiding yeah. other people because again I'm aging like I'm right. turning 26 in a month right and I'm putting out a magazine for let's say age 13 to 25 yeah. right So there is this huge 10 year 10 12 year gap that mm-hmm. I can't fill. Mm-hmm. So that's when I need to know need to have the right contributors of the right age group yeah. so that they can give me that perspective. Right. So for me it's a lot about letting go of certain creative aspects yeah. and focusing more on creative management. Yeah. So it's also important to know when to stop doing something and start doing something different right. to adapt. Um going forward though do you get into creative ruts? I'm in creative ruts all the time. Like there has never been a moment where I felt that you know, oh, this idea is great. I'm going to just write this down and you know, have a lot of fun writing it. Yeah. I maybe had fun writing three or four pieces in my entire lifetime. Mm. Rest of it was work. It, it's right. work. How do you get out of those creative ruts? Do you have any spe- spe- specific ways or I read a lot right. that's what I do because so you go back in consuming instead of creating Um yes that and no it's not about consuming it's more about asking myself why like yeah. why am I in this rut yeah so okay. yeah so it could be let's say some emotional trauma or right. maybe I just don't feel like it yeah so finding the root cause of the rut is very important do you have a routine that you follow on a day-to-day basis to help you do your creative work not really no do you have I a routine per se I just what I tend to do is I incorporate my different creative skills that I have I guess I have some yeah. uh into my everyday life let's yeah. say you know the, before we started this podcast I was telling you how I have my commute times uh, put on a spreadsheet yep just to check which r- route is the fastest so yeah. that's me learning data science right. that's me learning how to deal with data yeah. um I have been known to be absolutely terrible with math yeah. absolutely terrible with math yeah. so what I do is I practice math by you know counting the change and stuff like that yeah. so end of the day I don't really 
have a set time to practice which i don't like actually because i would yeah. want a separate time to practice and stuff like that but end of the day i just make do you know a little bit here a little bit there yeah um where do you think the industry um is heading basically the the content industry in bangladesh and globally it's heading into bangladeshi content industry is heading into slave labor um no the it's because i mean you have writers writing articles for a dollar yeah. right yeah and um last week i had this big tech company come up to me to because the thing is i write copy on the side as well yeah so they came up to me and they this is a huge ass tech company they do software as a service yeah and they wanted to do the website with me yeah. and i went ahead and we did the all meetings and everything yeah. and end of the day their budget was 20000 right to do the entire website content yeah so when you have like this low rates going cuz i know for a fact i had an ad agency um in la- uh, last year mm-hmm. in t- 2018 yeah. and that agency failed because agency business small agency business models simply don't work right. they don't produce enough money for you to get by mm. and we've seen that many a times with so many agencies closing down including my own right so until and unless we can convince the powers that be that our work is worth the amount of money that you're paying for yeah I don't think it's going to get any better. Okay. And and globally what where do you think it's heading? Globally um it's quite sad actually apart yeah. from Netflix maybe Netflix is investing in a lot of good shows Ama- yeah. Amazon is. But when you think about let's say pub- publishing or forget that let's talk about movies right? Yeah. We have so many rehashes, so many remakes like first time in Bangladesh. Yeah. Everything like, the first time if, in Bangladesh. If you that's something I want to talk about like the people creating these first time in bangladesh things and stuff like that they have a very 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 low opinion of the audience right. like i um the thing is this is something i call the zombification of the masses in bangladesh whenever you meet mane sit down in a creative meeting yeah what will happen is you'll have a lot of great ideas and a lot of great ideas get thrown around but then someone usually the project lead will throw in a wrench and say you know the people won't get it yeah. the people aren't smart enough to understand these references yeah. you don't need to put in these and when you cut off so many things right so many smaller details that make up the bigger picture you end up with something that's very hollow yeah. and that's something that is i think very prevalent with bangladeshi media yeah. like you watch something for a day and then you forget yeah. right you don't come back to the media you're consuming yeah. and that's because you know it fails to draw in the people cuz in terms of content there's a way that it distributes you first have the uh, key opinion leaders yep. right these are the people who get these references these are the people who get these smart references and what they will do is they will watch it and they will share that information with their peer groups say right. oh did you see that reference oh did you see that smart thing they did yeah yep. and what this does through word of mouth people start considering that media as something smart yeah and we have um seen this word of mouth thing go with um game of thrones yeah. right mm-hmm. like why does game of thrones have such mass appeal in bangladesh yeah. Yeah. right who's going to explain that to us yeah. Yeah. if if the masses are so dumb that they can't yeah. consume anything that bangladeshi artists can produce yeah. then how come they're consuming game of thrones Correct. right and how come the books that get sold a lot right yeah. people read rabindranath tagore yeah. right this is the same mass that reads rabindranath tagore mm. how can you say that these people cannot consume smart media mm. right like bengal is a place where a lot of smart media was um, produced during the colonial times and post colonial times mm. right so how come in the last 40 years we have just given up our brains in order to consume mass produced whatever that yeah. is being produced yeah. and the bangladesh first thing yeah um every year you'll see tv channel associations whining to the government to stop indian ads in, stop bangladeshi ads in indian channels mm. and what good does it do and the thing is like all that tv channels show in bangladesh are ads yeah. like shows tiny gaps in between yeah. so even after all of that they could not make the content feasible so yeah. how can they make the content feasible if you know we start paying It's not even about that there's no ROI in TV right now. Right? So uh, in fact if there is a new telefilm out or anything yeah. it goes up on YouTube. Yeah. Right? People are watching it on YouTube. So that's an abject failure of a media industry. Yeah. Right. 
it's interesting to talk about mass media, but if we look at the, I guess, the most highest watched mm-hmm. stuff on yeah. digital platforms like yeah, yeah. YouTube and Facebook, mm-hmm. it's usually something that is not produced with a lot of thought mm-hmm. or a lot of thought process. Mm-hmm. Um, in that case, do you think people who say that maybe the mass media is, well, I guess, um, taste has in fact dumbed down to a certain level mm. would you consider that as a globally long-form journalism is on the rise mm-hmm. i agree yeah long form it's, it's straight up data yeah so that goes straight up against what yep. people are saying the thing is when you interact with a certain um channel let's say you're on your phone and mm-hmm. you're consuming content you don't want to consume serious content on your phone yeah right like at night what do I do? I just watch cat videos. Yeah, right. Yeah. I don't need that yet. Yeah, yeah. I'm browsing Reddit on my phone. Yeah, For my yeah. phone, it's like very inconsistent, like not important yeah, content. Yeah. But when it's, let's say, a movie yeah. or a telefilm, mm. we don't have the same expectations as we have from, a, you know, normal, unpolished work on YouTube. And here's the thing. Um, recently, Lindsay... I think it's been a year. So Lindsay Ellis on YouTube mm-hmm. did this video, um, Manufacturing Authenticity, mm-hmm. where YouTubers intentionally try to appear more amateurish, yeah. amateurish just to connect to their audiences. Right. right. So a lot of things like that is going on. Yeah. And Porna, at the end of the day, when you think about where Bangladeshi media is going, yeah. It has no idea where it's going. Yeah. Honestly, like um, everyone's talking about digitizing, producing content from digital, producing content for digital, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But all the content you see that's on digital is basically adapted content. Right. right? So I guess from the perspective of a creator wanting mm-hmm. to create mm-hmm. something for this industry, mm-hmm. um, what is it that they'll need to think of before jumping in? Your first 500 viewers. Yeah. Yeah. If you can secure, let's forget 500. If you can secure 100 strangers who peruse your work, 100 strangers who consume your art, that means you have a solid foundation to build on. Right. Right. So the first thing that you want to do, if you want to, let's say, make it as an artist in traditional means, Mm -hmm. you should definitely have a very strong audience. Let's say Ashes, right? Yeah. Ashes, as a band, a lot of people have their own opinions, right? But when it comes to shows, people yeah. are there in yeah. like the crowding, right? Yeah. People love Ashes. Yeah. And that's the thing. They have that community, right? Randages has that community that yeah. it can always fall back on. Yeah. Think where, as a community, where your work fits. Yeah. It's sort of like designing an MVP, yeah. right? For a, a star product. Yeah. So in a sense, if you want to succe- succeed by traditional means, yeah then you will have to care for your audience or if you just want to do your own thing, then you do your own thing. You don't need advice. Right. And what does, I guess, success look like for these people in terms of um, growing? So one thing obviously is making money. Mm -hmm. Um, The other thing is, I guess, uh, getting those 500 Mm -hmm. followers. Um, Would you say being recognized internationally Mm -hmm. through credible mm-hmm. things is something that Bangladeshi artists or I guess artists anywhere would be well should be targeting as well I don't know you tell me you're the one who reached a global audience with Plantic <laughs> it's not there yet <laughs> I mean you were on ESPN and then you got to the front page of Reddit so yeah you tell me <laughs> <laughs> um look from my perspective it's 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 very important to build credibility that's mm-hmm. what mm-hmm. I wanted to try I wanted mm-hmm. to do with all these mm-hmm. this, this things because um, let, let's be frank, Plantic is not uh, a full-blown media house that makes money mm-hmm. uh, today. It's still a very amateurish media house. It's, it's a community. It's, again, it's a community blog. Correct. Platform. It's yeah. it's cl- created a uh, good community that mm-hmm. it can um, get to, but at the same time, it's, n- it's not a full-time thing yet. So my, I guess, understanding is that to get to that full-time mm-hmm. point from A to B, mm-hmm. you'll need some sort of credibility that adds to your name a mm-hmm. bit of weight to your name mm-hmm. and then use that to hopefully build um advertising i guess uh situations mm-hmm. that you can then monetize off okay so an easy way to do that would be um get involved with the community yeah. right let's, let's say for example um i'm a gamer right yeah i'm involved with let's say call of duty community yeah. right I'm an active member, right? Let's say I'm not an active member, yeah. 
but I want to produce Call of Duty. Let's say I want to be a streamer. I want to stream video games. Like that's an open field in Bangladesh right now. Yeah. No one's going for it. Mm -hmm. What you should first do is figure out what the Call of Duty community wants to see from their streamers. How can you do that? You can ask them, but yeah. usually these sort of questions don't end up with good answers. Yeah. Um, what else you can do is you can see the streamers that these people are watching yeah. and the feedback they have regarding these streamers right. and then build an idea of what people want from yeah. these communities, from these um, people who criticize the streams, and then make something Understand. that you agree with. Yeah. Right, that both the audience agrees with and you agree with. Because mm -hmm. the biggest uh, problem that I see among young professionals is they're trying too hard to sell their work. Right. Right. I know this kid who uh, streams PUBG yeah. on Facebook, Pranto Gaming. <laughs> his headphones are bigger than his head. <laughs> And this kid That's has awesome. like, yeah, while well, his stream is going on, he has a Bikash number yeah. on, on the year. Right. So instead He's of got his own Patreon going yeah. on. <laughs> and here's the thing, like this kid thought, you know, I don't have Patreon. What's the nearest thing I have to a Patreon? Do Bikash. you think that's smart? That's insanely smart. Yeah. Right. That's, that's exactly. Is it commendable? It is, is it commendable. It? Like yeah. it's again, um, it's a teenager finding his way out right. around the, right. you know, System. cyberspace. Yeah. And that's something I did as well yeah. at 13. I. I knew how to make websites, but I don't know what to put in a website. Right. So I made a website and I was like, uh, what can I do? I don't have any content. Yeah. And then Twilight came out and you know that, Jal. Yes. And yeah. <laughs> Just shit on Twilight. <laughs> <laughs> so overall, I think you need to understand where you want to go with your content. Yeah. If you're looking towards, you know, creative, if you want your creative profession to be one that makes a lot of money, yeah. then go for it. Be yeah. Michael Bay. I yeah. mean, why is Michael Bay Michael Bay? Because yeah. he can put Correct. in the sheer amount of like um, product placements in a Michael yeah. Bay movie, right? Yeah. He's a, cor a corporate. Yeah. So basically no judgment. I have no judgment for yeah. uh, Michael Bay. There's a need I mean, not just Michael Bay, I guess anyone who goes for quantity. No, uh, I, think, I think that's... Which doesn't mean you don't have quality, yeah. but yeah. It's, it's a choice you make. I mean, right. everyone has different priorities. Right. For us, um, at Rantages, it, the focus was on creative content, like right. original content. Right. Because that is something Bangladesh doesn't have. And, that's, and that maintaining that position has led us to be the opinion leaders we are today. Correct. Um... I guess we're kind of towards the end of the mm -hmm. conversation. Um, where do you think the future of the of the industry is going? I think I've kind of asked you this question. Again, I don't. I don't really have any hope from my generation, like yeah. the millennials or whatever. But I'm really excited about what the, the Gen Z kids bring yeah. to the table because right. working with them at Shout has been a very very different experience for me because mm -hmm. these kids. They're very straightforward. They don't have yeah. time to lose because this is a generation that's going to be worse off than their previous generation right. for the first time ever yeah. in yeah. probably history. Yeah. So they know this yeah. and they're at the forefront of these, you know, climate change activism, yeah. uh, stuff like that. Bangladesh show, like the students are at the forefront of climate yes. change activism. Yes. And these kids know what matters and they know the sufferings of the previous generation. Yeah. So the kind of content they will produce will definitely be something we've never seen before. Yeah. And I'm waiting for that to happen. That's, that's awesome. Yeah, it's, um, it's uh, even for me as well, like we generally shit on. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, it's, mm -hmm. it's, it's common to shit on your next generation mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. always think of the days of mm -hmm. the yore and, you mm -hmm. know, the, the best times ever when people used yeah, to paint yeah, on yeah. caves. Uh, <laughs> but it's, it's awesome to see exactly, you know, when you take that step back and mm -hmm. see what people are doing, mm -hmm. it's even looking at student protests mm -hmm. um, last year, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah it, was it was last year. And it's just, it's students coming forward. Yeah. Um, even everywhere else, mm -hmm. all over the world, mm -hmm. it's, it's brilliant. And, I think recently I saw this um, girl on a TikTok video where mm -hmm. she started doing makeup. I think mm -hmm. she's 17. Mm -hmm. And she started talking about the situation in, in China. Hong Kong, yeah. In Hong Kong as yeah. well. Yeah, well, Hong Kong, yeah. So it's actually pretty awesome to see. But from your perspective, um, what's your personal goal in the next uh, five years? Um, my personal goal in the next five years, like in living in Bangladesh, it's very difficult to set five-year plans. Okay. Honestly speaking. Well, next year. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> from a creative perspective um, honestly right now I want like the work I'm doing at Shout it's actually very much I'm trying to cater it to the Gen Z crowd Yeah. so in the next one or two years I want to be heavily involved with this new generation of creative professionals Yeah. and if possible I would like to guide them with my experience Right. because that is something I genuinely enjoy doing right 
if you say if someone wants to become a journalist or be involved more with mm-hmm. uh, with the content marketing mm-hmm. that you, you do what are three actionable steps that they can take just dropping their headphones off listen to this content well listen to this podcast <laughs> and they'll be like i can take these three actions right or whatever just do what you want to do yeah. and find someone who can provide you with proper criticism like right. i'm not saying it has to be a mentor even if it's someone who checks your grammar or yeah. whatever find someone who can tell you what you're doing wrong yeah and say it as it is yeah, yeah. and then just make as many mistakes as you can because one thing i've always uh, noticed among young professionals is by the age 21 22 they have this urge to like i don't want to take any money from home i want to be you know independent. independent and all of that and that's a very problematic gesture i would say right. because up until university you're expected to work on your own development mm-hmm. so what will you do you'll teach a few students or work as a content writer do part-time jobs yeah. to pay your tuition but can you spend that time on skill development mm-hmm. right if you spend that time learning let's say video editing yeah after you graduate you'll be earning a lot more money than you will be during your graduation and normally think of it as a lot of people get you know get a bit flustered that you know their family is spending so much money behind their education and whatnot yep, yep. think of it as an investment right take it as an investment from your family think about starting a business you would take investment from your family right yep. take investment as you yourself on that yeah and after you graduate be like have the necessary skills to make it yeah after you because for example uh, when I did not have any money for Starlight. Yeah. I went to my mom and said, you know, can I have 7000 bucks? There my friend is selling a core to do and I need a computer. I don't have a computer. Right. And I'm going to pay it back to you once I get my RS money. And I am now like taking full responsibility of my mother. I'm taking care of her. That's and brilliant. yeah, I'm and she's actually now dependent on me. Fantastic. And I couldn't have done that if I did not take that investment from her. Right. And that is a perspective a lot of young people are missing because they're trying too hard to hustle. They're trying right. too hard to make it. But no, take your time. You don't have yeah. to be Zuckerberg. Yeah, yeah. Everyone has their own time to bloom. Yeah. I know people who bloomed after 40. Yeah, exactly. Right. So think of developing yourself yeah. as a professional yeah. and people skills. People skills right. is something literally everyone lacks. Because yeah. um, one thing that I've noticed is during freelance um, negotiations, yeah. every everyone like... the vendor like yeah. the freelancer would feel a bit weird asking about money yeah but the thing is but to that i would ask um does the client feel flustered when they're asking for your work they're Absolutely. not so why should you feel weird asking for your literally remuneration exactly it's right. literally paying for your services yeah. yeah and the thing is um the client wants you to not talk money yeah <laughs> right because the first person to throw a number is actually the one who's going to lose correct so know these things and yeah. remember that if you're going solo yeah that is if you don't have a mentor or someone older giving you the work and yeah. if you're getting the work yourself never do anyone's work without a work order mm-hmm. because i have total i have actually counted the amount of money i lost due to bad um yeah agreements yeah. i think i lost around 130,000 taka over the last 5 right. years simply on payments that did not happen right so don't don't trust any clients right right that doesn't mean hate them but <laughs> don't take anything for granted don't take anything verbal for granted because yeah. a brand manager might come up to you and say oh we're going to do all of that all of this blah yeah, blah blah yeah. and then a month later we're like no boss said no they've got so, like deep people skills yeah. to sell themselves yeah. Yeah. so when you're going to deal with these people be on the defensive and know that right. if anyone is unwilling to give you a work order yeah. you don't need that job because you won't get paid for it Fantastic. It was a pleasure having you Roman. Um I guess I'll look forward to more content and thank you. Some memes. <laughs> Check out it. It's a wrap. <laughs>